Phoenix Suns face one of their biggest tests of the season on Wednesday night at home against the Los Angeles Clippers. And while there will be no Kevin Durant in that game, a big test also provides the opportunity for the Suns to notch that big signature win they've been waiting for. Let's break it down. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcasts. Say a big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Here on this Wednesday, another Suns game day, they host the Clippers. Thank you for finding us wherever you might be. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. So just hit that follow or subscribe button. Get a new show in your feed every Monday through Friday. Become a Locked On Suns everydayer and get locked onto the team right along with me each and every day. We have a lot to get to today. Clippers game. Who are the Suns better than in the West? But we're starting with what lineups have worked for the Phoenix Suns. Today's show brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. It's an interesting question when we talk about lineups, right? Because the Suns don't have any that have gotten any real run together. They have, I mean, dozens upon dozens, more than 100 lineups on their page, on the website Cleaning the Glass, on NBA.com, whatever stats you use. The Suns have not been able to get a lot of continuity. And so that makes reading their lineup data and trying to understand what works hard. But luckily, we don't just have data. We have the eye test. We have what we've all been watching. And even with that limited sample size, with Beal now healthy, and even Booker and Durant having a fair bit of time under their belt, we can get a little bit of a sense of what works and what doesn't. With that said, let's talk about what works and what doesn't big picture for this team. The Suns are 12th in net rating, which is about as high as it's been all season. They are 13th in offense and 13th in defense. If you just were to look over the past two weeks, which is something that Cleaning the Glass will show you, the Suns' record over the past two weeks is 4-3. and three. Of course, lost three in a row, won four in a row. They are 15th in offense over that stretch, but 10th in defense. So it's been an interesting slate of games, obviously with the losing streak followed by the winning streak. That's odd, but on top of that, how they've been winning these games is a little strange as well. They have had some lockdown defensive moments. That fourth quarter against the Wizards, obviously playing Charlotte and um, Portland, certainly helps and even Orlando and Houston are good teams but offense is not their strong suit either so what you would probably say is the Suns have just taken care of business but 
within a lineup standpoint, what's interesting to me, the reason I wanted to do this segment is to show one that the Suns' best offense has been a best defense has been a good offense. But also, what are the common components of their best offensive units and their best defensive units? And what do those units do well? All right. But let's start here. The Suns' best lineup has been also one of the best lineups in the entire NBA. That is Booker, Gordon, Allen, Durant, Nurkic. I've talked about that group a bunch on the podcast. And for good reason. They are plus 26 per 100 possessions together. And as I said, they've been good on both ends of the court. They have a 125 net rating, which, as a point of comparison, would be the best offense in the NBA by a good margin. They have a 99.6 defensive rating, which would be far and away the best defense in the NBA. And that is the Suns' most played lineup, and it is the most effective lineup. We saw that group play well against Houston. I believe that five-man unit started against or uh, against Dallas, and it's had some, some success. Now, that lineup, obviously, because it's played the most and all the things I just said, it's the most indicative of the Suns overall. What I mean by that is that that lineup makes shots, it limits opponents from making shots, but it turns the ball over and can't get a rebound and doesn't force turnover. So it loses the turnover battle and the rebounding battle, and it wins by just putting the ball in the basket and preventing that on the other end. That's kind of interesting, right? Because that means that they're winning in spite of some easily fixable stuff. They've been dominant in spite of making unprofessional mistakes, things that they should not be struggling with. So where does that leave us? Well, the biggest thing is Beal is now healthy, so that group's not going to be the starting unit, is not going to be the group that plays the most night to night, which brings us to another very good offensive lineup which has been Booker, Beal, Allen, Durant, Nurkic, the new starting lineup. That unit has played 73 possessions and has a 137 offensive rating. Absolutely incredible. And it's a little bit more close to what we would have expected. They have barely turned the ball over, which is awesome, but they've had even worse offensive rebounding. However, on the other end, they are forcing more turnovers so far, which is might not be sustainable. I don't really know if Beal and Allen necessarily are guys where it's like, yeah, you're going to force a lot of turnovers with them, but it's, whole, it, it's there so far. And their rebounding is even worse. So they're still losing the rebounding battle, but they're at least winning the turnover battle in an even in a, in a really big way. But the other reason I would say it's more normal is they have a 113.7 defensive rating with that group on the court. 
So instead of being the best defense in the NBA by a mile, which is obviously not what this Suns team is going to be, that would be the 10th offense in the NBA. And suddenly it clicks into place. That is a lineup that shows the identity of this Suns team, right? Great offense, passable defense. And that's what that group has been. Now, to shift over to the defensive unit as we wrap this segment up, the common components of the defensive lineups that have worked best for the Suns might surprise you. Akogi, probably not going to surprise you. Nurkic, he's not been an elite defender, but I think he would probably be a C plus, B minus, maybe even a B, depending on how you feel. And obviously he's fluctuated night to night, but above average, I think. And the alternatives have been so bad. The Suns' backup center situation has been so ugly that the on-off numbers are going to favor him. The other part that might surprise you, though, is Grayson Allen has been on a lot of in a lot of the Suns' best defensive units. And I know he's not a perfect solution at the point of attack as a defender, but he's passable. He executes. He fights through screens. And he does have fairly quick hands. He's big and strong enough against the majority of opponents that you're going to see the Suns have to deal with. You know, I think somebody like Jamal Murray, honestly, will be a pretty fascinating test. You know, what does Grayson do if he gets more time against Shea Gilgis-Alexander? I'm not sure. I'm not saying it'll be great, but for the best they can have, I mean, compare it to like Milwaukee right now, right? Milwaukee is having to make do with Malik Beasley as their point of attack defender. Damian Lillard. The Suns have a better option there. So I guess maybe not a huge surprise. The last one is the most surprising, though, which is Keita Bates-Diot. The best lineup defensively for the Suns that has played more than 50 possessions together has been Allen, aside from the one I mentioned at the very beginning of Booker, Gordon, Allen, Durant, Nurkic, which again, I told you I don't fully buy. The Booker, sorry, Beal, Allen, Durant, Nurkic, and Keita Bates-Diop lineup has really locked it down on the defensive end. Now, that's the unit that played those middle stretch of games when Beal came back the first time. That was the Lakers game, the Bulls game, and the Thunder game. Okay? And Bates-Diop shows up in a lot of the better defensive lineups that this team has put out there. The problem is he just does not produce. He does not force turnovers. He doesn't really rebound. He doesn't put up a lot of shots. He's not much of a playmaker. So until that aggressiveness comes and his ability to impact games returns, he's not going to be in the rotation. But the on-off numbers would show that good things have happened when he's been out there, and I think that bodes well for Frank Vogel continuing to give him a look. Maybe not anytime soon, but I would bet you there will be a time before the trade deadline when we see Bates-Diop pop back up. And on Wednesday night against the Clippers, he may have to play because Duran is out again. That brings us to tonight's game against the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll get to everything that will matter in that game as the Suns are tested in a big way at home. Next, first, today's show brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and... The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get on the action. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, okay? So you don't even have to win that bet. All that you have to do is place it. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Let's look 
at the latest around the NBA. I'm looking at Tuesday night, Wednesday night odds. Sorry. The Pacers and Bucks play for what feels like the 90th time this season. I'm not sure how this continues to happen, but you have the Pacers home dogs. That feels like a good one. You have the Wizards at the Cavs if you want some easy money on the money line. Whatever you like. FanDuel also offers same-game parlays, new bets in the Explore tab, and a parlay hub so you can find popular ones from other bettors. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup with those bonus bets. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's keep it rolling here. Suns, Clippers, a few things about the Los Angeles Clippers, and I will have an audio-exclusive Locked On Suns preview of this Suns Clippers game available only on the audio feed on Wednesday. So we'll dive into this game again for all of you and even more depth. But here's the deal. I talked about the last two weeks numbers on cleaningtheglass.com. The Clippers are four and two in that stretch and they've gotten unlucky. The numbers say they should have won all of those games. They should be six and oh in that stretch. But even with that said, they are Eighth in offense. Their defense has fallen off a bit. They had some injury or some, sorry, not injury luck, three-point luck that was going their way uh, for a while where teams were missing threes, missing corner threes against them, and that has evened out. But also Kawhi Leonard missed some of that time. Big picture, I believe the Clippers are, uh, I can't, they're, they're significantly in the positive with James Harden. They started three and seven. They are, 17 and five since then and both the Suns and the Clippers will be going to into this game with even rest so the Clippers are not playing on Tuesday night all of that points to this being a very big game in the West a very big prove it opportunity for the Suns and while it does suck that there is no Kevin Durant in this game I still think the Suns have an opportunity to potentially win it. And the reason that I say that is one, they've been playing well, but two, they have personnel that can match up with the Clippers, even if that doesn't sound correct. Um, No Clippers injury report yet. That's weird. Doesn't even have a slot for them on the official uh, NBA page. But think about it. What do the Clippers do? What's their strength? They have like-sized players. They try to slow the game down and isolate you and they switch on defense and they just try to play the game at their own pace and will you into matching them on their terms. The Suns can kind of do that, but I also think the Suns can maybe even avoid being pulled into that. The Clippers do not force turnovers. They do not rebound. That's all relative. They're average at both of those things. Who does that sound like? Sounds like the Phoenix Suns. The Suns have smaller players. Yeah, right? Kawhi, Paul George. The Suns can't match that with Durant out of the game. But if you look at the starting lineup that the Clippers have been putting out there, it's a lot of guys that the Suns can match up with. Harden, Mann, Powell, Russ. Those are all Outside of Kawhi and Paul George, that's most of the remainder of their rotation. And Zubats is obviously going to be matched up with Yusuf Nurkic most of the night. 
Another thing that I think evens this matchup out a little bit, even without Durant, is the pace. So, as I try to get these uh, pace numbers here, the... Okay. The Clippers don't run a ton, all right? They are a team where, okay, yes, with Russ, he can get out in transition, he can do his thing, but when you look at transition frequency, the Clippers are ninth. When you look at transition efficiency, they're a little worse than that. Defensive transition, they allow uh, a top 10 amount to the opponent. So I think that's somewhere where the Suns, without Durant, who can clearly play with pace too, but I think if you're going to probably, what I think the Suns will do against this team is try to roll out lineups of all four of their best guards and, and Nurkic. Booker, Beal, Gordon, Allen, Nurkic. That's what I would do if Kawhi or PG want to drive and draw contact and finish and get to the line enough times to beat you, so be it. But I'd rather roll with that possibility than put Yudawat Nabe or Keita Bates Diop or Nasir Little out there and risk those guys just sort of botching it. You know, those are not reliable players. So that's what I would anticipate. I now have the pace numbers up for you guys. Offensive pace, which is how many seconds are being used per offensive possession. The Clippers are 23rd. The Suns are 25th. Okay, so that's neck and neck, but that's something I think the Suns can lean on, whereas we know the Clippers will not lean on it. With Harden, with Kawhi, those are guys who want to be methodical, slow the game down, and everything else. I think that's an advantage for the Suns tomorrow. The last part of this is going to be three-point shooting. All right. The I mentioned the Clippers had some luck in terms of opponents missing a lot of threes against them. That's not ever likely to continue in any season. The Clippers, as an offense, shoot the 13th fewest. They're basically middle of the pack in terms of how many threes they take. They are fifth in terms of efficiency on those. So they make them when they take them, right? And you would expect that. Kawhi, PG, Powell, those are all knockdown shooters. Harden is taking more of the uh, spot-ups that he did last year alongside Embiid. And defensive frequency for threes, the Clippers allow their opponent to get some off, right? Whereas the Suns have actually been a little better on that. Maybe that's an advantage. Again, if the Suns choose to go small, choose to roll their four guards plus Nurkic out there. That's the pathway, I think, to the Suns winning this game. But that said, I know I brushed it off a little bit, but we know Harden, George, and Kawhi driving to the basket, that can work. I'm not trying to say that it can't, but it at least requires the best players to get uncomfortable, to play physical, purposeful basketball, and outscore you that way. I think I like those chances. The Suns have been playing well. I went through the lineup stuff with you, and they're at home. Let's see what happens. Should be an absolute blast of a game, even with Durant out. I would have loved to see how that all rolled out, but look, the reality is they get two more fun ones, plus the Clippers in five days. So let's hope Durant gets, gets right. 
The Suns will have a good opportunity against the Heat to test themselves. The Grizzlies are no walkover anymore. And then you have the Clippers again next Monday, then the Lakers next Thursday. This is a tough stretch, so take the wins if you can get them. Who cares about testing yourself and signature wins and all that stuff? Let's just see the W. Speaking of W, speaking of testing yourself and opponents, the next segment, I'm going to walk through the West and answer a very simple question. Are the Suns better than this team? We'll get into it next. First, today's show brought to you by the Game Time app, the best place to buy a ticket. Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I love Game Time for multiple reasons. They basically came in and they said, let's just fix the stuff that sucks about the other ticketing apps. So they show you your view from your seat right in the app. They show you the full price you're going to pay from the very beginning. And they have a ton of different offers, including uh, zone deals where you pick the section and Game Time picks your seat. The Game Time Guarantee, where if you find tickets somewhere else in the same section and row for less money, Game Time credits you 110% of the difference. It's all the stuff that makes buying tickets elsewhere a pain in the you-know-what. Game Time has turned that all around. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase to try it out. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON for $20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right let's keep it closing keep it closing close out the show are the suns better than this team and i'm going to go from the top of the conference down to the bottom of the conference and i'm going to answer that question well let's start at the bottom right They're better than the Spurs. They're better than the Blazers. They're better than the Grizzlies. They're better than the Jazz. Do we have any disagreements? I don't think so. And I mean better than in terms of like, would they beat them, right? Would they beat them in a playoff series? Do they have answers to all the questions that the opponent makes them answer? Do they have matchups for their best players? Does that team have answers for the Suns' best players? So it's not just like, look at the record and answer the question. That would be boring. That would be dumb. The Warriors. To be honest, I think this is easier than you might even think. One, because the Warriors have just been underwhelming this season. But two, because the only real fight that the Warriors have been able to put up in their three games against Phoenix this year has been from their bench in some strange second-half runs. That's not enough to tell me that the team is better. That just shows me the Suns got lazy. The Warriors' young guys fought hard. That doesn't mean they're better. So, yes, the Suns are better than the Warriors. The Lakers. This is an interesting one because the Lakers' offense is quite simply not good enough to keep up with Phoenix's. Point blank, period. There's really no argument there. The Lakers have a bad offense, just straight up bad. And they keep putting lineups out there that are even worse. I don't get it. But we know that defensively, the Lakers match up very, very well against the Suns. They match up defensively great against a lot of teams. They are a, a turnover-creating machine. They force you into mistakes. They dis, they're kind of deceptive with where their guys are because they're always ready to prowl the passing lanes and 
help and do everything else, even if it looks like they're kind of guarding straight up. But I think now that Beal is back and Gordon and Allen are at the peak of their powers and the big three, I told you the numbers at the beginning of the show, 137 offensive rating with the new starting lineup. Even if the Lakers cut that a little bit because their defense is so good, let's say it's a 125 offensive rating, a 120 offensive rating, even with those three out there in a Lakers matchup. I'd be hard-pressed to imagine the Lakers getting to that number themselves. So I'll say the Suns are better. The Rockets, not hard for me. I respect the Rockets. I think there's some weird stuff that has nothing to do with the Suns about kind of skipping some steps with their rebuild here, but their defense is legit. Their offense can get hot. I just think the Suns are better. Fred Van Vliet as the number one scorer on a team that is trying to beat Durant, Booker, and Beal. Sometimes it's that simple. The Dallas Mavericks. I'm very interested to see these teams match up again now that the Suns are fully healthy and Dallas is getting Kyrie back. They play in Dallas to kick off a very long uh, seven-game, two-week road trip for Phoenix on January 24th on ESPN. That should be a very, very fun game. But I will still say the Suns are better because, again, I don't trust Dallas's defense. Now, I've said before, right, as opposed to times in the past where switchable physical defensive teams is what worried me facing the Suns because of what they could do to Chris Paul, what they could do to DeAndre Ayton, what they could do to guys like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson to run them off the line. Now, the teams that scare me the most as Suns opponents are the Mavs types of teams. This version of the Mavs. I know the past version of the Mavs kind of was the other switchable thing. This is an offense first team. But that is the type that actually is more worrisome because it's the teams that can keep pace with the Suns. So I do think the Suns are better than the Mavs, but right now their records would indicate that they are close and until the Suns consistently prove it on the defensive end they're kind of similar teams where it's all offense very little defense I think the Suns have a better defensive upside but it's kind of prove it for both teams right now so I think that one's hard I will say the Suns the Pelicans that does not worry me I don't think their offense can keep pace I think they still need a top dog who is a consistent number one until they have that at the highest levels they will not scare me Sacramento Kings are exactly the type of team that I'm talking about. They can keep pace with the Suns offensively, and that worries me. I will give you one reason that I think that the Suns are better, despite Sacramento beating the crap out of the Suns not too long ago, and that reason is Kevin Durant. This is one of those teams where you just look at it, and it's been like this for KD's whole career. There are just some teams who do not have an answer for him. I wrote a whole article early on in me covering the NBA about the Kevin Durant generation and not guys that try to play like him, guys that exist in the league partially as a result of his dominance in order to try to stop him. And you could put Mikael Bridges on that list. You could put guys like OG Ananobi or Jaden McDaniels on that list. The Kings don't have one of them. Even though Keegan Murray might eventually be, he's too young, too mistake-prone, not strong enough yet. So I think the Suns are better than the Kings. The Clippers, 
I mean, Wednesday might tell us, even though Durant won't play, a little bit of what that matchup could look like. They kind of have the best of both worlds because their offense is capable of matching the Suns. But they also have some of those switchable, swarming defensive capabilities that I told you used to scare me, right? That's why the Clippers took the Suns to six games in 2021 without Kawhi and why last year it felt like we might be headed toward another difficult series until Kawhi went down. I will say right now, the Suns are better than the Clippers, but that is only because I still have Harden and Russ and Westbrook doubt. Everything else would tell you the Clippers are better. They have actually comparable star power. They have better depth. They statistically and personnel-wise have more defensive upside because their two best players are great defenders when they're locked in. Zubats is a better defender than Nurkic to me. And they have some guys like Mann and um, even Russ at times who can lock in at the point of attack. But I will say the Suns because I just can't trust the Clippers. The Nuggets are better than the Suns. I'm sorry. Until further notice, you have to defer to that. We haven't seen it healthy this year, but they beat them in the playoffs. You're not going to hear me try to contort into a crazy answer. You just got to give it up to the better team until otherwise indicated. I think the Suns are better than the Wolves. Minnesota quietly has crept downward to 18th in offense in the league. I don't think that they are a lock to beat anybody in the NBA playoffs in 2024 with that level of offense, unless they got maybe the Pelicans or the Rockets in the first round. Even then, it would be a a slog, you know, so that's really it. We also saw the Suns, one of their best wins of the year was beating Minnesota, and it was exactly what we're talking about. The Suns scored a bunch of points. Minnesota's defense wasn't quite as locked down as normal and they didn't have the offensive capability to keep up. I think that's how you're going to see Minnesota fare against a lot of teams unless Cat can play out of his mind, and we've said that before. The Oklahoma City Thunder. It's a big question mark for everybody, I think, in every fan base in the NBA, including Oklahoma City's fan base, although, of course, they're going to be optimistic about everything. The Thunder handed it to the Suns in that game and uh, that they played when Beal was healthy, Booker was not. So that obviously is a huge caveat. But they didn't just hand it to the Suns by beating them by a lot. They, they played their game in footprint center and physically kind of overwhelmed the Suns, I think. You saw Shea and J-Dub get whatever they wanted and... The Thunder, despite not having a a four who's big, they're a big team. They don't really play anybody shorter than 6'4". Isaiah Joe and Kassan Wallace are their only thin guys. Everybody's physical. Everybody fights. Their defense is really good, really connected. And they have offense that can... Turn something in, turn nothing into something at any moment. Unless their three-point shooting takes a dip, because I still don't really trust Lou Dort to be a 40% guy. I don't 
fully trust, you know, rookie Kassan Wallace to be knocking a bunch of shots down. Josh Giddy can be hot and cold. Does Shea always take them when he should? You know, if he's playing off ball, if he's has an open pull-up three, he'd rather take the pull-up two. You know, so maybe their threes fluctuate, and that's a way into beating them. But considering they already beat the Suns once, everything about their resume statistically and every and otherwise would tell you they're elite. I have to put the Thunder ahead of the Suns. So for those keeping track at home, I have only the Thunder and the Nuggets definitively better. I went back and forth on the Clippers and the Kings and the Mavs. And I have the Suns better than Minnesota, New Orleans, Houston, the Lakers, Golden State, Utah, Memphis, Portland, and San Antonio. That'll wrap us up for the day. Hope you enjoyed that fun little thought experiment to close out the show. We'll see what happens in Suns Clippers. I'll be back here during the day on Wednesday with a game preview on the audio feed only. So go subscribe there if you're normally on YouTube. And then on YouTube and the audio feed post game, a normal recap show. So enjoy all of that as it comes. Enjoy your Wednesday and I will talk to you then.